0: Well, hey guys, good morning, how you guys doing? Awesome, well like Tony said, my name's Colin, and uh, this is the first time I've gotten to be up here in this sort of capacity with you guys, but I'm really looking forward to it. So uh, thank you guys for everyone that's here, thank you for everyone that's joining on the live stream as well. But like Tony said, uh, I have the privilege of overseeing life groups here at MEC, which is awesome. And I uh, also get to lead, co-lead our, our young adult ministry here, and that is just a blast as well. And so part of that means that I get to teach some with, uh, with our young adults here at the Medina East Campus. Um, so if you are a young adult in this room uh, who's part of United, you likely know what happens when I get up here to teach. Uh, and if you don't, let me explain. There's just, there's just something about telling people about Jesus that makes me want to cry. And I, I don't know like why that is, but it happens a lot. And and so I'm just warning you guys, you might experience that today. Um, You know, actually, a couple weeks ago, Pastor Seth was up here, um, and he delivered this powerful message on the gospel, uh, and and he himself got a little emotional. And uh, if you guys were here for that, and and you were part of the uh, Saturday night service, during that message, you might have heard what sounded like a yelp from the crowd at one point, and I just got to tell you guys, that was me. So I was just, I don't know, I was just crying so hard that uh, it, I yelped and I didn't even know I had that in me, but uh, I, I think it's my spiritual gift. I, I don't know. So uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of weird. But uh, now that I've told you something weird about me, let me tell you something a, a little more normal. Uh, so I, uh, I got married last year, which, which is awesome. Yeah, yeah. So this is my family. Um, this is this is my wife Emily. We actually took this on on our honeymoon. So uh, 2020 was a crazy year for a lot of us. It was certainly a crazy year for Emily and I as well. It, it was it was quite the journey. Um, you know we got we got engaged in February. Um, soon after that, Emily graduated from from Kent State in May. Uh, we got married in July in the summer of COVID, which was uh, which was intense, and then. Uh, Soon after that, Emily began her her teaching career as a special education teacher uh, in September. And then not shortly after that, I actually changed career paths. I was working as a structural engineer, um, but joined the staff full-time in December. And now I'm up here in in front of you guys. Uh, So that's crazy. but here we are. So the, uh, you know, 2020, it was, it was certainly formative for me, you know, formative for my uh, marriage, for my career, and so it's really awesome that I get to come to you guys today and uh, continue in this Form series that we've been in over the past couple weeks. So for those of you who have been sticking around, we've been in this series called Formed, uh, and now I get to pick it up in the fourth week here. And so, uh, actually, we're going to be in the book of Romans today, uh, and actually Romans 12. So if you guys want to get your Bibles open and flip to Romans 12, uh, if you didn't bring a Bible, we actually have them for you guys in the uh, seats in front of you, and it'll actually be, Romans 12, be on page 789 in those Bibles. So if you guys can get there. But basically, in this form series, uh, we've been camping out in the book of Romans, uh, and we've really been using this verse here as kind of our base for the series. So Romans eight twenty nine, For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. And so what this verse tells us uh, very plainly is what God wants for our life, that he wants to form us into the image of his son. And so that, that's very clarifying, you know, because some of us might think, oh, what, what God wants most for my life is to be a good person. Or, or maybe we would say, you know, what God might want most for my life, his ultimate goal for my life is just to go to church. Or maybe we would say, the, goal, the ultimate destination God is leading me to is, is to send me to heaven when I die. But, th- but this verse tells us the ultimate goal for, for God uh, in our lives is that he would lead us uh, to Christ-likeness. That God has predestined or decided beforehand that those he saved, he's going to be leading us to this ultimate destination of looking like his son. And so that left us with some questions, uh, you know, like, hey, how does, this, how does this journey begin? How does this process begin? What is our part in this process? And, and what is the route that we take uh, along this journey? Like, what are the things we can expect? And that's actually where Romans 12 is gonna come in today. So we're actually gonna be starting out in Romans 12, uh, 1 and 2. Because uh, it's kind of this uh, recap of kind of where Paul has gone and where we've gone in this series so far. So Romans 12, 1 and 2. Paul says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your body as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And so Apostle Paul, who wrote the book of Romans here, uh, he begins with this word, therefore. And so we have to ask the question, what is that referring to? But he actually tells us himself, he says, therefore, in view of God's mercy. So Romans 12, it's actually a, it's a very key point in the book of Romans, because Romans 1 through 11 is primarily about what God has done and has been doing in history. And now Romans 12 here, it's this transition point where we transition to start talking about, well, what should we do in response, in response to what God has done? And so this word mercy there, actually in the original language, it's plural, it's mercies. And so what Paul is referring to is all the mercies that God has shown us that have been described in these previous 11 chapters. What Paul's talking about there is is the gospel, is the gospel. So um, if you guys were here a couple weeks ago, like I said, Pastor Seth actually talked about the gospel and how it is the gospel that allows us to enter into this journey of spiritual formation. And it is also the gospel that is the power of God that continues to lead us on this journey as well and so even though sin has hardened our hearts and and that we're resistant to be conformed to the image of jesus the gospel or the proclamation of the good news about jesus about his life his death and his resurrection it actually produces like supernatural transformation in our hearts it, it soften our it softens our hearts so to speak um, and so whatever is going to come next we have to view the rest of Romans or really the rest of the Christian life, it's all viewed in view of God's mercy, in view of the gospel. And so what comes next is this call to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. And so that's, that's pretty intense imagery there. Um, but basically what Paul's saying is that we need to offer every single part of us to God. And that this, this is not a one-time dedication, but it's this process of, of placing the entirety of one's life at God's disposal. So, if you guys have been with us through this series, if you've been sticking with us, um, you know that we've been using this analogy throughout the series uh, of, of Plato and a master crafter, right? And the idea is that Plato, it, it's soft, it's pliable, and it can be formed in the hands of the master crafter into whatever he desires. The Plato is at the complete disposal of the master. And that's exactly what Paul's talking about here that in, in view of the gospel, we can now offer ourselves entirely to God so he can form us into whatever he wants. But I want you to notice too that uh, just being conformed to something isn't the goal, that there's actually a certain type of pattern that, that God wants to conform us to. It really matters what we're actually being conformed to. Because Paul issues this warning here, and he says, do not conform to the patterns of the world. That's That's not the goal. You can think of it this way, that there's a certain template or pattern that the master crafter wants the Plato to be formed to. And, and like we said, it's the image of his son. But, but there's, a, there's a different template. There's a different pattern that we're constantly being squeezed and pressed into, and it's the pattern of this world. It's the pattern of this world. And, and so we, what Paul's saying is that there's a different kind of transformation that needs to take place. But what's awesome is Paul tells us where this transformation is going to come from. This transformation that God wants is going to come from the renewing of our minds. That in order to experience that, we need to think differently. We need to think differently. If you guys were here last week, that's exactly what Pastor Tony talked about. That in order to resist this temptation to to give into sin, to give into the pattern of this world, we, we need to think differently. He said it this way. We need to know, we need to know what's true about us now that we're in Christ. And, and now we need to count or actively think about this new reality. And only then can we go and offer ourselves to God instead of to the world. It's only then. So if you guys have been with us through this series so far, uh, I haven't really taught us anything new yet. I've kind of just given a, a recap of what's come before. And if any of those topics are interesting to you guys, if, if you feel like you need more on that, And and you missed uh, one of those weeks, I'd really encourage you guys to go back and check one of those uh, topics out. You know, we have podcasts on on our website or on our app where you guys can uh, hear about each of those things. But um, Paul does leave us with something pretty interesting here at the end of verse two. He says this He says that when we offer ourselves to God entirely in view of God's mercy, we're gonna know what God's will is, we're gonna know what God wants for our lives. We're gonna know what Christ likeness actually looks like in our lives. So what is it? What what does Christ likeness look like? Or in other words, how is the transformed life that Paul's talking about, how is that actually lived out? Well, where Paul goes, it it might surprise some of us actually. So let me show you. So Romans 12, 3 through 6, he says this for by the grace given me, I say to every one of you. So here, Paul begins talking about the body of Christ. So instead of going to each of us individually, he, he talks about us together, right? And he used this, me- this metaphor of a physical body to describe that. So he says, think of a body. Think of a body. It has many, it has many body parts, and each of these body parts, they, they, have, they perform different functions. But their specific functions don't exist for themselves. They exist to the body, So he says each member and its specific function, it actually belongs to all the others. That the individual body parts don't exist to serve themselves, but they exist to serve the body as a whole. And so you can think of it this way. I don't know if you guys have been sitting, like sit for a really long time and then you go to get up and you sat funny so your foot's asleep so you have to like drag your foot or whatever. I don't know if you guys do that. I do that sometimes. But if you're like, so if that happens, right? That's fine and all. So you actually have to use your foot for something. So for example, if I'm at the top of the stairs and, I, and I'm going to walk down and my foot's asleep, like my foot has a deep commitment to serve the rest of my body with its specific function. Because if it doesn't, if it's asleep, well, then I'm gonna fall down the stairs and, and it failed to serve the body. So, so this tells us uh, how we should Uh, act in the body of Christ, that being a part of the body of Christ, um, our specific functions uh, are meant to serve uh, each other. They don't belong to ourselves, but they belong to all the other members. And so the question is, um, what specific function? What is Paul talking about here? And uh, he's actually talking about spiritual gifts, and so spiritual gifts, he's going to describe these in verses 6 through 8. And so he's going to talk about things like prophecy, things like serving, teaching, encouraging, giving, leading, mercy. And I want to point out to you guys, actually crying is not on this list, but it's in 1 Corinthians 12, I promise. It's, it's a real thing. Please don't, please don't take that from me. It's, it's my gift. <laughs> but um, I'm actually not going to get into what each of these gifts do today. Uh, but uh, what what, what each of them specifically do. But I'd encourage you guys, actually, if you want to learn more about that, I'd point you guys to discovery. So we we offer discovery here at Grace, and it's a way to kind of get connected here. Uh, And and through discovery, uh, we actually break down what each of these spiritual gifts actually do, uh, as described in the Bible. But uh, for the sake of our conversation today, basically what spiritual gifts are or they're just the unique ways that the Spirit of God has allowed the Christ follower to serve the body. That, that every single person, when they place their faith in Jesus, we now have a unique, specific function in which we're able to serve the body of Christ. I love the way Paul talks about it in, in Ephesians 4. He says it this way, in Ephesians 4.16. He says, from him, speaking of, speaking of Jesus, the whole body joined and held together, by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work so paul says that it's when each part each part of the body is performing its specific function that the whole entire body will grow well this is awesome because it tells it clarifies what it means to be part of the body of christ that being part of the body of christ is not how the body can serve us and we can grow but it's actually how, more, more about how we can serve the body so that it would be built up, so that it would grow. And so I actually wanna take a step back and look at this argument that Paul's kind of been laying out for us so far in, in the book of Romans and, and this key transition point. So Paul says, okay, now that you've offered yourself entirely to God, now that you've placed yourself completely in God's hands, you wanna know what his will is. You want to know what the transformed life looks like. And the first place he goes is community. Serve one another. He says, love each other. Commit yourselves to serving each other. And that's interesting. You know, that might surprise some of us because maybe we thought that the transformed life, maybe we thought it was mainly about morality. That the transformed life is first and foremost about living a holy and, and a pure life. Or, or maybe some of us, maybe some of us went to theology, that being transformed into God's image is primarily about knowing the Bible deeply and about uh, being able to explain theological doctrine. Or, or maybe some of us thought, you know, it, it's about social justice, that now, my, now that my life's entirely in God's hands, he wants to use me to serve the poor and the needy. And of course, these are, these are three great things. I mean, these, these are gonna be included as we are uh, transformed into Jesus' image. They're, they're essential to that. But I just think it's interesting that the first place Paul goes is he goes to community. He says the transformed life is first and foremost about serving one another in a committed community. And, and this is actually not the only place where Paul lays this out. It's not just the book of Romans. Uh, The book of Ephesians, for example, uh, another one of Paul's letters, uh, it it follows this same pattern. Ephesians 1 through 3 is about the gospel. It's about what God has done for us. But then there's this transition in Ephesians 4, and Paul says, therefore, love each other, serve one another. And he gets right back into this conversation on spiritual gifts. And this, this is Paul's M.O., that the transformed life, a life lived in view of God's mercy, is first and foremost a life lived out in community, serving one another. And so, you, you know where Paul got this from? He, he got this from Jesus, of course. You know, when Jesus was asked, hey, what is, what is the greatest commandment? What does it actually mean to follow you? This is, this is what Jesus said. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. But that's not the only thing Jesus said. He said, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. So Jesus was asked for one commandment, but but he gives two. He says, to be my disciple, to to follow me, it's, it's it's not just loving God a whole lot. For Jesus, he couldn't separate our love for God from our love for God's people. So, so clearly, being conformed to Jesus' image, it can't be separate from a life lived out in community, serving one another. We are, we are formed for community. It's clear. But, but if that's true, man, why do we so easily miss this? Why, why is it so hard to, to maybe grasp this? Because if you guys are anything like me, when we got into this series on, on spiritual formation— the first place I, I went, the first thing that I thought about was, was my own individual Bible study and my own individual spiritual growth and my own relationship with Jesus. And again, those are, those are key and essential things. But, but why do I so easily separate uh, the transformed life from community? Why is that? Well, I think Paul actually gives us a hint back in Romans twelve three, and that passage that we started out in in community. He says this. He said, "For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment, in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you." Paul says, "We miss this. We miss this when we think too highly of ourselves." that we need to think about ourselves with sober judgment, which means just think about yourself rightly. Well, how do we do that? What is the right way to think about ourselves? Well, like Paul will go on to explain, he says think about yourself in the context of community. Think about yourself in the context of the body. Back to the foot analogy. You know, for the foot, the foot misses this if it is only thinking of itself, Think about it. There's no life for the foot apart from the body. There's no growth for the foot apart from the body. There's not, there's not even ability for it to perform its specific function apart from the body because it, the foot was made to serve the body with its specific function. But at the same time, the body without a properly functioning foot, well, it can't, it'll fall down the stairs. It can't function properly either. So the foot will miss this if it has this inordinate focus on itself. And in the same way, we separate community from from the transformed life when we think too much of ourselves. Paul would say we have this improper view of ourselves, that that we need need to think differently about ourselves. And you know, over the course of history, there's been many different ways to kind of view yourself, right? And, And many different uh, improper ways to view yourself, but for those who study our culture, the culture of uh, us in this room, you know, they would point to the rise of individualism as the way that we think of ourselves. So, in Paul's words, individualism—it would be that pattern of our world that we're that we're not supposed to conform to. It, it's this—it's this thing that we're constantly being squeezed and pressed into. It's, it's in our atmosphere. It's just the air we're breathing in. And it's constantly infiltrating the way we think. And so basically what individualism is, it's just this idea of, of like a me culture instead of a we culture. That individualism, it puts the emphasis on the individual instead of the group. And, and this is something that we're constantly uh, being challenged with. It's constantly being pressed into us. And it's not only our culture, it's not only affected our culture, but it's also affected the way we view ourselves in the church. You know, this this super interesting study, I think, confirms this. In a George Barna research study, uh, he asked Christians, he asked Christians this question, what is your preferred method of discipleship? And the number one answer to this question was on my own, on my own. How How do you want to follow Jesus? Just me and Jesus. I need Jesus. I just don't need all of you guys. And that makes sense, right? Because we all know this. Like, people are messy. People are hard to love. I- I'm hard to love, right? We know that when we really get in deep with people, when we take the time to actually get to know people, they're often hard to love. You know, for, me- for many of us, maybe we would say, we tried this. We tried this deep type of community, and we got hurt, we got burned. And now because of that, we're resistant. We're resistant to community. And I'm not gonna sit here and pretend like this is easy. You know, in a lot of ways, it's it's actually easier to to live a, a life apart from these sorts of deep, meaningful relationships. It's easier that way sometimes. You know, I was thinking about this in the context of my marriage, actually. And, and, and hear me out on this, like, in, in a lot of ways, it was easier to be single than it is to be married. And, that, and that's not because of Emily. Uh, you know, I think back to when I was uh, single or, like, even dating Emily, and, man, I thought I was a pretty good guy. I was like, I'm, I'm selfless, and I'm caring, and I'm nice, and then I got married. And I was, I was like, well, those things are definitely not true. Like, I'm mean, and I'm selfish, and I'm actually pretty annoying, And like hard to live with, you know? And and it was so easy for me to fool myself into thinking that that I was a good person apart from that deep, meaningful relationship. But if it's harder, if it's harder, why would I do it? Why do so many of us do it? Why do so many of us enter into that? Because we all know this, there's joy. There's joy in those relationships. That even though it's hard, getting in there with somebody like that and really learning to love them, there's joy in that. There's joy in that. To, to know that we're, we're broken, but we're committed to serving one another and loving one another, there's, there's joy there. And it's the same with the body of Christ, that we miss that. Paul would say we miss that joy in those relationships when we think too highly of ourselves. That we need to think differently that we need renewed minds, like he said earlier. In the same way that we have to actively think about our new identity in Christ as individuals, we have to actively think about our our new identity together in God's family. So I know we've been in Romans 8.29 and we've kind of been in the first half of it. Well, I want to show you guys the whole passage here. Paul says this, for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. That he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. That we are conformed to the image of Christ with many brothers and sisters. We aren't the only ones being conformed. There's a whole family that's being conformed. And that we we are part, we we don't have just a new identity individually. We have a new identity corporately. We are part of the body of Christ the family of God. And we miss this when we think too highly of ourselves. And it costs us this transformed life. Paul would say that what we need most is we need to see our new identity together. We need to see what God's doing in us together. You know, this, is, this has been my experience uh, in United, in, in the Young Adult Life group. You know, I think back to uh, last year, we went on a retreat Together and it was it was awesome in the middle of COVID, in the middle of this season of isolation, um, forty nine young adults by the grace of God got to get away together for a weekend. You know we went an hour and a half south of here to Camp McPherson, and it, it, I mean it was just a blast. It was so much fun. We we always say here that man something special happens when people get away together, and it's true. I mean we look back on that retreat and it was just like this this clear turning point. In our ministry, and a clear turning point in our life groups. And so, as I was studying these passages this week, I was thinking about why. Like, why was that so crucial for us? What changed? What, what clicked? And God brought me a lot of clarity on why that was so amazing for us. It's because we saw our new identity, we got a glimpse of our new identity. We saw not what just God was doing in us individually, but we saw what God was doing in us together. And we got to experience what it means to be part of a spiritual family. Man, I saw these young adults like praying with one another and serving one another and meeting with one another throughout the week. And whether they knew it or not, they were giving their lives to one another. And it changed. We got to experience the transformed life together. And this hasn't happened perfectly. We still still have a lot of growing to do in this. But I think it illustrates that, man, when we see this, when we see what God's doing in us, something changes. It's powerful that God's saving us to a family. Man, in this season of individualism and COVID and isolation, like, I think this is what we're all craving, Whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, like I think we all want this. We all want this type, these types of relationships, these deep, committed, loving relationships where we serve one another. And I I just want to invite everyone in this room and everyone joining us online, like, join us as we figure out what it means to live as God's family together. And just as individuals, you know, as individuals, we don't exist for ourselves. This community it doesn't just exist for itself, so I want to invite you guys back next week too to see to hear about what purpose God has for forming this community because He has a purpose for us too, and it's and it's amazing. And so as I close and I invite the band up, um, I just want to I just want to give you guys two practical ways uh, to to really um, actually live this type of transform life out. And so first, I actually want to speak to the person who's investigating Jesus in this room. And, you know, we say this all the time, but, like, we count it an honor and a privilege that you would be a part of, like, that you would come here and join us, that you would let us be a part of your investigation. Like, that's amazing. I pray that this church would be open to that, that, that you would be welcomed here and loved, and we could be a part of that with you. So thank you from the bottom of my heart that you're here. We care about you. And man, we, we want this for you. We want this. I hope today you see what God is calling you into as you investigate what it is to follow him. That he's calling you into relationships. He's calling you into community. So I actually want to take this opportunity right now, and I just want to invite you to our life groups. So our life groups are just our expression of this there are expression of the body of Christ, of of this community of deep, committed relationships to Jesus and to each other. And so I just want you to come and see what it looks like to follow Jesus in the context of community. And I think I would be remiss if I didn't mention this either. Like, I don't want to just invite you to life groups. I want to invite you to the family of God. That because what Jesus has done because of the gospel, this is an open family. Your heavenly father wants you to be part of this family. He wants you to join us. So please, it, you can do that. You can place your faith in Jesus and join our family. And if, you've, if you want to make that decision, please don't leave here today before you tell somebody. Because we want to celebrate with you and we want to welcome you to our family. To what God is doing here. And that's amazing. You know, we say this every week, and we're probably going to continue to say it um, about anyone who's not in a life group, like joining a life group, that we want you to be a part of this. But I actually want to speak to those of us who, who are in life groups next. Um, you know, as I've been studying these passages uh, these passages this week and just thinking about our life groups, uh, I, I've been reflecting on what they actually are. And, you know, I just think about the fact that our, our life groups, they're no, they're no magical pill or formula, that as soon as you join one, you get to experience the transformed life. Like, I don't want to sit here and pretend that just because you're a part of the life group, uh, we're actually getting to experience the life transformation that God wants for us. Because true, genuine life change, it doesn't happen in a weekly meeting. You know, Jesus didn't call us to just throw another event on our calendars. Jesus called us to relationships. And to give ourselves to them in the deepest way possible. And so I think we just need to start here. And we need to start with these questions as we consider, like, do we see our new identity? Do we see what God's doing in us together? You know, is your, is your life group, is it, is it just a, a meeting? Or is that your spiritual family? Because those, there's a huge difference in that. And what God wants is available in a spiritual family. You know, are you committed to a a group of people, or are you committed to a Bible study? Of course, the Bible is going to be central to what we're doing, but man, I don't just want to study it. I want to live it out together with God's people. That's what God wants, and that's where we experience this transformation. Man, are, are we using, we got to be honest, are we using our gifts, our talents, our experiences, the unique things that God has given you in Christ? Are you using those to serve one another, to build the body up? The body needs you. You're needed. You're needed by the body to experience the life that God wants for you and for everyone. And so, man, this is hard. Like I said, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that this is easy, But if we want to experience the life that God is offering for us, we can do this. God God is calling us to this. And and we miss this if we think too highly of ourselves. So I just imagine, imagine a church where this happened. I'm praying that God would do that in us, guys. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, uh, God, I just thank you. Lord, I thank you for your word, God. And I, I just thank you that uh, you've shown us, Lord. You've shown us what you've made us for, God. Um, to live in relationship with you, Lord, but to live in relationship with one another, God, that you're saving us to a family. And Lord, I just wanna, I wanna pray for everyone that's in this room, everyone that's joining us online, Lord, that feels isolated, God, that feels like they're missing this. God, that maybe they've been hurt in the past, by these sorts of deep, meaningful relationships, God. And Lord, I pray that you would bring healing to them, God, that you would bring them faith and an opportunity to enter into this, uh, enter into what you're forming here, this community that you're forming here, God. And Lord, I just, I thank you that, God, we can look to you, that that you, you did this, Lord. Lord, that you did not count equality with God uh, something to be used to your own advantage, Lord, but you, but you used yourself as a servant, God, that you, did, you gave yourself entirely for us, Lord. You gave yourself on the cross, your body entirely to save us, Lord, and to bring us into this family, to bring us into relationship to our heavenly Father, God, and our relationship with our brothers and sisters here, Lord. So, God, I just, I thank you for that, Lord. I thank you that that's what we're made for, God, and that you have this transformed life that we can experience there. I love you so much, Lord, and I pray all this in your name, amen.